0: You're listening to an irreverent podcast.
1: For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm.
0: Hey, friends, I'm Josie. And I'm Spencer. Nice pause, and welcome to the highly well-produced Speaking in Church podcast, where we uh, care about audio fidelity, as we were just joking about before. Just kidding, we record on Zoom. Sorry, everybody. Um, Today, we are joined by Twitter troll and exvangelical CEO bro, Mason. I'm not going to pronounce your name because I say it wrong every time. Can you pronounce your name for me, please? Meninga. Menenga, I always want to say like Menenga.
2: I stress it differently but
0: hi Mason how
2: are you (laughs) hi Josie it's great to be with you hi Spencer it's great to be with you as well oh my gosh thank
1: you um for all those that are new around here um Mason also has a podcast that we're big fans of Mm -hmm. and um also big fans of twitter trolling so yeah
0: yeah uh your podcast is called the people's theology by the way in case you didn't know that Mason this is a really professional introduction
2: yeah, I I can't fig I can't think of a better way to be introduced to a podcast.
0: Uh great. I'm so glad you're on board with our top quality production here. It's <laughs> We're an irreverent podcast, in case you didn't know that. And Mason is part of the
2: irreverent podcast collective as well. Oh, is that what we're calling it now? It's different? What did I say? <laughs> the irreverent collective podcast group or something. Oh. We
0: I mean, were a media group. Yeah, but irreverent yeah, is like the media. main... Main. Oh yeah, could you do YouTube? I oh sorry guys. Mason has a YouTube as well where he likes to show his face.
1: That just that just shows how in it you are. Like YouTube for me mm-hmm. is just like dang, people are still still doing that.
2: I know. Oh. I'm surprised people are
0: still doing podcasts. Okay, Josie first Spencer. of all, how dare you? You have two podcasts, so okay. <laughs> well um all that to say mason at the beginning of all of our podcasts we ask the our guests to tell us their life story their testimony um how they got to where
2: they are today in faith or otherwise wow I think you're going to have to do an entire season on this. Uh, I don't know how you're going to do, okay. do it in just an episode.
0: That was such a high school football player thing to say. Like, I'm going to need a whole season because I'm so cool.
2: No, no, no. That was
1: the youth so pastor. Interesting, Josie. <laughs> that was more like the youth pastor that's like, I've definitely had sex before, so we're going to have a whole series about it just so I could talk about
0: it. <laughs> excitement right, anyways a serious face now Mason tell us
2: yeah so I grew up prototypical conservative evangelical I knew every VeggieTales song through, and through. <laughs> uh, it's probably like even to this day I probably know more VeggieTales lyrics than I know any other lyrics of any other artist Good. Um, that's that's how invested I was in VeggieTales as a child <laughs> so yeah I was uh, grew up in that type of environment uh, very prototypical evangelical type of church was really into young Young Earth Creationism. In my middle school years, I knew all of the little pieces of evidence uh, about why the fossils were there and how the <laughs> flood could have happened six thousand years ago, and you know all the total nonsense. Oh, and then in high school, I got into my Theo Bro, John Piper phase. I was really into John Piper and that oh. neo-Calvinist world, oh. and so that was me. Um, But interestingly, like while I was in that period of my life, super conservative, super evangelical, I also started to get these kind of first doubts uh, about my faith. And so especially when it came to sexuality, I just really was getting frustrated with purity culture. Uh, You know, it was around, you know, it's high school. So it's around that time of life when a lot of your friends are starting to date and have sex. And, you know, I would hear about it all the time from friends. And I just really couldn't reconcile the fact that I was having these feelings in my body, but I wasn't allowed to do these things because of my faith. And so I just started to really get this disconnect with purity culture. And that was kind of one of my first moments of doubting my faith. I also, my best friend uh, is a couple years older than me. And in his senior year of high school, he and his now wife uh, started having sex. And so, which Sorry if I, you know, leaking out that information. I don't know if he was trying to keep that, uh, trying to keep that uh, secret. But uh, regardless, he. But one of the really interesting things, as I was having conversations with about uh, with him about that, was he was like, Mason, I don't really feel guilty about this. Like I genuinely love my girlfriend and I really um, love those moments with her. And even though we've been told our entire lives that we weren't supposed to have sex before marriage, and if we did, we'd feel extremely guilty. It's really just not happening for me, Mason. Uh, I, I think it's really great. It's been really awesome. And that really kind of threw a wrench into my entire faith. I just didn't know how to honor and believe him about his experience with sex and also me like thinking you can't have sex before marriage. So that was kind of the first kind of, uh, domino that, uh, was, was pushed, before everything else kind of cascaded. Uh, so then I went into high, went into college with all of these different uh, questions about not only sexuality, but also I was starting to get some questions about politics and faith. I w- really got into like a libertarian phase, which even for that, like you, you, I see your face right now, Josie. What's funny though is like even for me to get to that kind of libertarian phase, I had to really strip away a lot of like my conservative politics Politics, like to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I don't think gay people are going to heaven, but also like, who am I to say that they shouldn't be able to get married? Right. Like that kind of thing happening. Right. And so those there were like those moments where I was starting to make these changes, not only in my faith, but also in my politics. So I brought all of that into college and I went to a very conservative, small Christian college. But my very first class was a youth ministry class. I was a youth ministry major. And we started reading uh, books that really started challenging me. Uh, But not only did they challenge me, but they also invited me into thinking about faith in lots of different ways. A lot of the questions and doubts that I had brought into college around politics and faith and sexuality and all those different things. These authors were talking about those things in ways that weren't just like flippantly kind of ignoring them or giving really simplistic answers. They were really engaging those types of questions in the way that I really wanted those questions to be engaged. So... I really started to kind of change my faith throughout that moment uh, of my life. Uh, in early college, was exposed to lots of different Christian people like Naughty Boltzweber and Rachel Held Evans and Brian McLaren and all those different kinds of people. And yeah, went through college uh, moving right into that like progressive Christian world for a lack of a better term and uh, graduated as a youth men major moved to Minneapolis started working at a church a progressive Christian church and then also during that time I started seminary and that's when I was exposed to lots of different thinkers like liberation theologians and process theologians and all these really nerdy theologians that are great and uh, my faith even changed a lot more uh, at that time and so while I was a pretty maybe white liberal kind of person if you will when I was in college my faith even became especially politically became really radical while I was in seminary and so I really started getting into a lot of liberation type of politics and uh, abolitionism and all those different types of things so anyway so I went from VeggieTales conservative to a uh, liberation abolitionist (laughs)
0: It's interesting because I never um, had any desire to be in the neo-Calvinism situation.
2: I know it was very popular, but I was like... "Mm." But you were pretty Pentecostal, right? Pretty charismatic. And a lot of times those people were pretty hostile uh, to the whole... like. Pentecostal charismatic world,
0: yeah. Right. I, I think it's because we're very like free will, right? And
2: I mean right. Calvinism is not free will. And I'm like,
0: bitch, I get to decide. Don't tell me who I am. That's <laughs> very much a right. Josie
2: thing. I, <laughs> yeah, and those people I'm... really have a. I, I don't know why, but those people have a interesting kind of theology around like speaking in tongues and yeah. spiritual gifts where you know th- something like spiritual or speaking in tongues and all those kind of different uh spiritual gifts are not recognized by that Calvinist yeah. world and so that's a that's a whole thing too that really kind of creates the division between the two
0: yeah anyways mason stop interrupting spencer spencer what were you we gonna
1: <laughs> <Sorry>. say <laughs> I was, I was just going to say that I pride myself that I was never a Calvinist. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I, uh, yeah, I literally, um, in my, again, I became a Christian as a teenager and was in a church that was pretty split. So there were some pastors that were Calvinists, some that (laughs) weren't. And then, um, yeah, the pastor that was like my parents, like Bible study leader, pastor, that kind of thing. Um, I literally like had coffee with him one time and was like women women can preach and he was like no and he and i was like calvinism is also not a thing and he was like no <laughs> yeah and i was sister. like okay <laughs> yeah and then i went to college and you know went to went to bible college and was like yep yep tulips no no place tulips. Here.
0: <laughs> yeah i remember going to costa rica on a mission trip with this missionary family that was I mean, they were translating the Old Testament into like an indigenous language, which fucking badass, right? But they, we went to church with them on a Sunday and they were talking about like predestination and then they were like, oh, what do you guys think about that? And all of those little APU people were like, um, we think that is very interesting. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, it's fucking stupid. Don't tell me what I'm, who I am. Don't tell me about me. Anyways.
2: Yeah. And now the real Josie has been unleashed and I just want her to be able to go back to that same family and just tell them like, (laughs) fuck Calvinism. Amen.
0: (laughs) Fuck Calvinism. Um, But anyways, ex-Calvinist Mason, tell us um, about your podcast a little bit.
2: Yeah. So while I was in seminary, I was like, Hey, I'm having all these really interesting conversations with classmates and we're reading all these incredible different people. Why don't I have conversations with these types of people? Because those are the kind of conversations I really love. So I started this podcast, wasn't originally called this, but it eventually became a people theology. And I started having these conversations with different people around Things like theology and politics and everything in between. And so, yeah, I interview a lot of people, mainly Christian, like theologians and church people and pastors and authors. And and uh, yeah, we have conversations around uh, what I would consider theologies that are inspiring and liberating. So that's what I do and uh yeah still a podcast that uh every every couple weeks in fact uh as we're right now when we're recording this i've got an episode coming out next week (gasps)
0: great this will come out like a month later so go back But, I mean, I'm sure there'll be multiple episodes. Everybody should subscribe. But before we continue on, I feel like there's some people who are ex-evangelicals, ex-Christians, still Christians that listen to this podcast, who don't know what you mean by liberation theology in the streets, process theology in the sheets. (laughs) Um, So... Tell us a little bit about liberation theology and process theology, which by the way, I had a pastor tell me that process theology was a joke. Oh, recently? Yeah. Oh. So rebuttal that in your explanation for the people. Thank you.
2: (laughs) So liberation theology is a way of thinking about theology that really stresses the liberation, the freedom of people who are oppressed. Um, And so one of kind of like the core ideas around liberation theology is that God always is in solidarity. God always sides with the oppressed. And so uh, liberation theology is always looking uh, at theology through the lens of the oppressed and the ways in which the oppressed can be free. And liberated, and so that's kind of uh, the way that liberation theology thinks about theology. And because of that, there's so many different types of liberation theologians. It originally, I guess, if you wanted to kind of look through it historically. It really originally started in Latin America, you know, during a time with, uh, in, during co- colonization and a lot of indigenous folks in Latin America trying to free themselves, liberate themselves from oppressors. Uh, but then a lot of that theology got adapted to uh, Black theology and Black people in America thinking about what liberation theology would look like in their context. And then that eventually got uh, adapted into or adapted to uh, black women. And so as theologians, uh, women, black women doing theology um, from their uh, positionality are thinking through what liberation theology would mean for them and uh latin latinx uh women were also thinking about what what does liberation theology mean for their particular perspective as not only a latinx person but also as a woman Uh, and then there's queer theologians that do liberation theology thinking about what liberation theology uh means for them uh as an oppressed person um being queer So there's lots of different types of liberation theologians that are doing their particular liberation theology from their particular context. Uh, So that's liberation theology. Process theology is a little, it's similar, similar similar-ish. I think there's a lot of crossover, hence the liberation theology in the streets, process theology in the sheets. But process theology is kind of boils down to two different things. The first of which is that the world and God are Totally open to all sorts of different possibilities. So in other words, the world has not been determined whatsoever. We've been talking a little bit about Calvinism and predestination. It's like the opposite of that. Uh, Instead of predestination, and kind of this determinism, process theology stresses that the world is open for all sorts of different kinds of possibilities. So that's the first kind of core tenet, if you will, of process theology. The second is that the, that God and the world are in, mutual relationship with one another and not only are god in the world in relationship with one another but also the world is always in relationship with itself and so even something like the the millions and billions and trillions of particles that make up your body all of those uh all those particles have some sort of relationship with one another and every single human being has a relationship some sort of relationship with one another and that also uh is envisioned with the relationship between god and the world so everything is in relationship with one another and the future is open for all sorts of different kinds of possibilities
0: well that doesn't sound so stupid to me (laughs) sounds sounds like a
2: great
1: idea right (laughs) this is where i uh i i describe it of like like we're talking about like you know, particles and just like energy, everything being connected. I like I'm always like, yeah, like, isn't that what the Holy Spirit does? And then my mom's like, that's a little too hippie woo-woo for me. And I'm like,
2: okay. <laughs> I love hippie woo-woo. I'm pretty hippie woo-woo. <laughs> it does sound like that. Uh but honestly, in a lot of ways, I think one of the things that's cool about process theology is because it thinks about the relationship that the world has with itself. Process theology does a lot of work in the sciences, and what's really cool about Mm -hmm. what we're learning in science is all of these different ways that we are related with one another, uh, that particles are related to one another, that human beings are related to one another, that a tree is relating to the ground even. I was just watching this documentary about Fungi and how trees use fungi. Their root systems use fungi mycelium, and because mycelium kind of branch out into trillions of different networks, trees will actually communicate with other trees through mycelium, which is an entirely not only just an entirely different species. It's also in an entirely different kingdom uh, within the uh, within the natural world. So I just find those sorts of different things really interesting, and I think they're really indicative of this idea that everything's in relationship with one another and it's not just some of this like ethereal hippie woo woo but like these are ways that we can actually measure relationships between all sorts of different things in the world and we have data to back all of that up Mm. i love science
1: i love data so because you were into like young earth i want to like i want like a timeline of like (laughs) So when... like, when Ken Ham and Bill Nye had that debate, like, whose side were you on when that came out?
2: <laughs> When was it? That was, like, 2014 That was or
1: something? in... Um, it was, you know, 2015 or 2016 because I okay. was at... I was working at a Christian summer camp and it was, like, a big deal oh and everybody was talking about it. Oh, my God. And I was, like in, I was, like, in the corner, like, Bill Nye's the shit. Like, he's going to tear Ken <laughs> Ham apart. And there was other people, like oh my god like this is wild see i want to know who said where you won at that point wait but
0: who won before you tell me who was like a the clear winner
2: i mean how can a younger (laughs) is this a question (laughs) question? i don't know people can debate i don't know whatever (laughs) Um, In 2015, 2016, I would have like firmly been within like that progressive Christian world. So I would have probably like, like, I remember it happening. And I just don't remember those exact dates of, of when it was happening. But I do remember thinking to myself, this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. I cannot believe Bill <laughs> Nye is even entertaining this thought right now. There's also this video on YouTube of when Bill Nye visited the creation museum and it was just that's the, the most ridiculous so that's, thing.
1: That's where they held the debate.
2: Right. Is, right. It was
1: right. at Ken Ham's creation museum.
2: <laughs> so ridiculous. So mm-hmm. yes, by that point I would have like firmly been within the progressive theology world. Uh, but I was not necessarily in the process theology world at that point so that's the kind of the cool thing about process theology and when i got into that world is i've actually encountered lots of Really interesting types of sciences since then that I really wouldn't have been able to, or I wouldn't have really known so much during that time of my life. I didn't, I do not even think I took a science class in college, so I was like pretty outside of the science world at that point. How did
0: you get out? I, of I, I took like yeah,
2: AP I'm, Bio in high school, so I was able to. I, it oh, excuse me. Out yeah,
1: uh no, I definitely had to take. I was a minister major, and I took a, uh, astronomy. Oh, me like, too. So
0: what yeah. astronomy? <laughs> They're taking. Show, like, I, that counted mm-hmm. magic astronomy yeah
1: and like and like taking astronomy like at a christian school was kind of wild because at the time they had just discovered um pluto the i mean <laughs> no. that was a long uh, time ago it, yeah uh obviously it's new but they called it like the new super cluster that like our oh, yeah. galaxy is part of um, that was uh, just discovered. So we like talked a lot about that and like the expansion of like the universe. And it was cool because literally like they talked about how they're like, yeah, there's some professors and you know, the sciences that are a little bit more conservative. There's some that are a little bit more progressive and they're like, but we all believe God made it. So, you know, it'd be like that. And I'm like, okay. okay, um, and, uh, so I, just, just I have to ask, you've seen the banana video, right? The Atheist Nightmare banana video.
2: Is that the one where Grey Comfort is like yes, the banana is yes. so perfectly made that yes. only god, a, a god could create it?
1: Yes, he literally is like holding a banana and he's like, look, it's protecting it and it has a handle, but literally bananas are genetically engineered. Yeah, like
2: that's the funny thing. Like humans made all of that. That's not like
1: he's literally sitting there and he's like the banana is an atheist nightmare. Because this is proof of God's intelligent design when literally the modern day banana has been bred by humans Mm -hmm. to be that way. I love It's like the
2: watchmaker argument, but with a banana.
0: Yeah, much less cute. This is where we... Okay, we're talking about science, but fuck science, okay? I was an art major. And as an art major... (laughs) I'm married to a scientist, I can say that, right? Um, As an art major... I want to talk to you about this video that you posted that I didn't watch. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch your video, um, but I was proving I don't
2: know how to say my last name.
0: <sighs> I know how you <laughs> say it, but it won't come Uh-oh. out of my mouth. Anyways, I plead the fifth, but <laughs> so I'm talking about piss Christ.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I want you to explain to me. Um, I want you to give people a taste about what's you? What do you think about piss Christ? I am, in my opinion, as an artist, have you seen this, Spencer? Is a crucifix <laughs> in a jar of urine? <laughs> it's it's art. <laughs> it is art.
1: I'm literally like, why are you talking? <laughs> it's
2: called piss Christ. Uh- <laughs> I wish I could show my my screen right now, and I wish everybody listening could see my screen right now but my background not only on my phone but also on my computer is an image of piss christ i fucking yeah. love it
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay so what what is this
2: so it was, I think it was the late 80s, like 88 or 89, when it was made. And I'm blanking on the artist's name. I think it's like Andreas something. Anyway, he was Catholic. And I'm look this he, up. He, yeah, Google it. He had been known for making kind of somewhat controversial pieces of art however this was the one that like kind of exploded and yeah he simply just put a crucifix in a bottle of urine and then I think like some sort of museum art museum in New York had it and it caused a lot of controversy yep that's it and you wouldn't even really recognize that that's a jar of urine it looks like a
1: painting (laughs)
2: I know, it really Mm
1: -hmm. does. I'm like, okay.
2: So anyway, it caused a lot of controversy because there was some sort of like public art institution. I think it was in New York that was showing it. And a bunch of lawmakers were freaking out about like, (laughs) why would a piece of art like this that is all blasphemous be allowed to be in a public art museum and blah, 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 blah. Right. So anyway, that whole like, because it ended up becoming, because it ended up being talked about in the federal government, it became a big deal. So anyway, I think Piss Crisis is great because it is this image that really forces us to think about images that we have of the sacred and images that we have of the profane and they're just thrown into one another Mm -hmm. and I love that idea of the sacred and the profane being in relationship with one another that they're Forced together. And I just think that is such an incredible and a beautiful way to be thinking about theology, about the sacredness in the world, and also what the things that we consider profane. It really challenges us what we actually think is the sacred, and it challenges us with what we actually think is the profane. And so anyway, I think that piece of art is really great and lovely. And if you want to learn a little bit more about it, you can watch my YouTube.
1: Yes. Hiya. I, so I, I literally Googled it and this article came up and the artist is literally quoted where he's talking about for Christ to have been crucified and laid on the cross for three days where he not only bled to death, but he shat himself and he peed himself to death. So if piss Christ upsets you, maybe it's a good thing to think about what actually happened on the cross. Yeah. I'm like, mm. dang, like, it's so true. Like, you know, Jesus, Jesus was a human. What happens when humans die? they expel everything within them like yep yep that's what happens bunch of doo-doo but
0: i bring this up mostly mason because i feel like this art piece really encapsulates who you are as an internet personality (laughs) (laughs) controversy controversy. you're very (laughs) controversial (laughs) you're controversial and i feel like i don't understand the full scope of it because i'm very um polarizing as a human being as well um but i'm much nicer in person right like people on the podcast probably think of me okay well first of all (laughs) mason and i spent a long weekend together i'm sure he heard me snoring through my cpap in the middle of the night because he was sleeping right outside of my door (laughs) but i digress i'm a very nice person in person mason okay Mm -hmm. thank you um I want you to defend your personality on Twitter for me right now because your Twitter personality, you're famous on Twitter. You got like 10,000 followers or whatever you have. I want you to defend
2: yourself. I mean, I don't know what there is to defend. It's interesting that people think that I'm any different on Twitter than I am in real life. Like, I've always said, if you don't like me or if you don't like my Twitter, you're not going to just like me. Like, that's just not going to be a thing. I feel like <laughs> I'm just as ridiculous and absurd in person, uh, although it might be just to a lesser degree, right? Like, you get my zany absurdity on Twitter more often, or mm-hmm. that's kind of the only thing I – normally do on there, but it's not like none of that exists when I'm in person, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know what there is to defend. Uh, I will say, like, I love making jokes. I whenever I encounter any sort of situation, whenever I read anything, I don't know, but my brain immediately just goes to like, how can I turn this into a joke? It's Just how I've always been. Uh, even before, even at my most conservative, I was like that. Uh, and then the, the, occasionally I'll be on Twitter, <laughs> on Twitter and those are the moments where I'm just saying what I believe to be true. And I'm always willing to engage people who think about things differently, even people who think process theology is a joke. Uh, I'm absolutely willing to chat through that. I have lots of friends and loved ones who think very differently from me and I'm able to have conversations with them without people throwing fistfights so even in the more sincere moments that I am on Twitter I feel like I'm still like genuinely a decent person to chat with uh and then also like I don't know I guess if you just like don't like my humor then you don't like my humor but I'm not gonna like (laughs) make it seem as if like my humor is not a joke or something
0: I guess I was trying to get you to say like it's a very effective tool of communicating and making people think <laughs> that's what i wanted you to say <laughs> uh,
1: i mean listen i'm just gonna pull out um my favorite one as of recent because i've lived this is the um you get asked to pray because you're a seminarian to you get asked to stop praying because you're a seminarian pipeline like mm-hmm. <laughs> chef's kiss <laughs> yeah my parents
0: have definitely told me that going to seminary is bad for you, for your relationship with the lord what what <laughs> The theology is bad. That's what they have told me. And I was like, ooh, hmm, I think you don't know what that word means then. Yeah, but that's really what I wanted you to say, Mason, was it's very Okay, effective. well, I mean that too. So Okay, great, great, great. I fine. didn't mean to make you all defensive. Damn, I'm <laughs> sorry. You have a great personality. I think it's all right.
2: It's not too bad.
1: <laughs> so what What I want to know is... of. Um, you know, just like where you're, like, what are you doing now? Like, I know that you're doing this podcast. Are you still working for a church? Like, what yeah. are you up to?
2: So, I work for United Theological Seminary of the Twin Cities and I work in admission. So, I help people through the process as they're thinking about seminary and thinking about going to a place like United. I help them through that entire process and so that's what i do and i also am a student there too so i did graduate with a master of divinity from a different seminary uh a year uh, yeah about a year ago now and then immediately started another master's program in theology and so now I'm doing a little bit more of an academic degree at United and I am writing my thesis so I'm in the middle of writing that thing and hopefully I'll be done here in about a month or two and then hopefully I successfully defend it sometime in the spring.
0: You know, I heard you talk about your thesis on our little getaway. Um I think that people would be very interested to know
2: what you're writing it about. Yeah. So I am writing about a theology of embodiment. And so essentially what I am arguing is that based on what we know about the body from the sciences, there's so many different things that we're learning about the body in science within the last decade or so. And so based on what we're learning about the body from from the sciences and based on what we're kind of rethinking about the body, there, there are different ways that that should change the way we think about theology. And so if the body is in relationship to itself, what does that have to do with how we think about God then, right? So that's just one example of some of the different ways that I'm going to be arguing that our bodies should ultimately change and form and shape our theology. Um, so the first part of my thesis, I'm really diving into lots of like science body stuff The second part is a little bit more about the field of embodiment and how bodies have been thought about historically and philosophically. And then this third part uh, will be a little bit more about uh, how our theology ought to change from all of that. And then the last part of the thesis will be much more about um, kind of the ethics based on that. So if our theology gets shaped and changed by our theology, or by our bodies, then here are the ethical implications. So that's kind of the structure of my pi- paper and what it's about.
0: Mm. I, I like that. that. I like it because as evangelicals um, I feel like oftentimes we have, most of us have all of this trauma that we have to reckon with in our bodies. And we talk about that all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But then people don't necessarily think about the ethics of it people don't necessarily think about the implications they understand like "Hmm, maybe i hurt because i'm traumatized but then they don't think about the the next steps i guess is the way i would think about it like what would come after the recognizing what is next
2: yeah. So, so to put it in kind of concrete ways, of, uh, in concrete terms, especially maybe for some of your listeners who are thinking about this particular theological issue, but a lot of us start to question about hell, right? We, mm. the, the idea that everybody uh, who doesn't p- confess Christ as their Lord and Savior is going to suffer and be damned to eternal conscious torment is a really hard pill to swallow once all these other ideas around like gay marriage and gender and leadership and all those different things happen right and so for example i I think you know a lot of people end up getting to a place of like universalism that all will be saved and all will be redeemed and for me okay i think that's a great theological idea but to me The ethics that come from that are even more important. Mm. So it's one thing to deconstruct your faith or deconstruct your notions of hell. It's another thing to think about, okay, if everything is going to be redeemed in the world at some point, what does that mean about why we have carceral uh, institutions like prisons Mm. and the police? Mm-hmm. Right, That to me seems like a very obvious implication to something like universalism, the idea that everything will be redeemed. So that to me is like the next step for lots of people in their journey and their faith is not only to reimagine uh, notions of hell or notions around like can gape people get be married and be christian uh to me it's like what's the next thing beyond that uh why does something like universalism have um what sort of implications does universalism have in the world uh why is it important beyond just that two people who are of the same gender can get married and have sex and be christian like what's even beyond that like what what does queerness actually inform uh theology how does it inform theology those are the kind of questions i'm more interested in Um, i totally understand if people are in that kind of place where they're still really wrestling with what does the bible say about gay marriage or what does uh, the bible say about hell Um, and i think that's an important step for a lot of people but for other people who might be beyond that step uh, i think those are some of the more important questions to be asking especially when thinking about liberation right exactly Mm -hmm. right
1: yeah and i I think it goes into even the idea of you know like Josie and i are methodists we say the (laughs) lord's we say the lord's prayer a lot and talking about like you know your kingdom come your will be done so exactly what you said of if we have this if our theology is informing us that everything's going to be redeemed maybe through this like universal Christ, then what does that mean for the way we live our lives? Doesn't that mean we should always actively be working to redeem things mm. and not just kind of like, cause I think a lot of times too, of, people can use it as a way out of like, well, God's, you know, even like non-progressive Christians, lots of conservatives use this too of God's going to fix it in the end, or like God's going to deal with it in the end, which is not at all what he called us to do. He literally told us to work on it now. Mm -hmm. And I always like, cause I always joke with people. Like when you talk about like, 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 climate change for example i'm always like it's going to be real embarrassing when jesus has to like sew the ozone layer for us because we didn't want to fix it Mm -hmm. like and it's things like that where i'm like a lot of things are going to be really embarrassing when god's got to fix it because like we didn't want to
2: Mm -hmm. so this is one of this brings us back to process theology in that process theology really stresses that the relationship between god and the world really requires humans to be involved in lots Mm. of different things for god to actually uh manifest the vision that god has for the world and so Mm -hmm. it's because process theology doesn't believe that god can just unilaterally make something happen even against the world's Will, and mm-hmm. so the world really does need to be receptive and participate with God's vision for the world in in order for those things to happen. God can't just make uh, liberation happen in the world. God needs humanity in the world to participate in that for liberation to happen.
0: Right, and that's like the only just way for things to exist in my mind is like you shouldn't just be handed things because god wants to hand you things you should have to work for that's where i'm a little bit libertarian like you should have to work for your miracles or whatever or whatever whatever whatever. like modern medicine i always say that modern medicine is a miracle in and of itself but we had to work for it mm-hmm. which was whole unethically but anyways that's a whole different conversation oh mason you're so smart. For a football yeah. player, you're really smart.
2: I, I feel like, yeah, <laughs> I glossed over the fact that I played football in college. Isn't that funny? Weren't you like a quarterback or something? What? Oh my God, no. Oh, I don't and know. I don't, I don't have an arm where shit. I would catch the ball from the quarterback. What is nice. that position? That's a receiver.
0: Wow, that sounds fancy. I don't know anything about football except that I'm very anti the NFL, but it's great.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I would I would catch a ball and try to score a touchdown. That was my job. Were you and good? Did... I mean, I was good enough, I guess, to get a scholarship. I, I was
1: going to say, <laughs> I was I was to say like, did the school pay you for that? Like yeah.
2: <laughs> Wow. I did get a scholarship for it. it well,
1: excuse uh, me. Just Josie it was a small Christian school. Come on.
2: Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. No, it I, was. Forgot. I forgot. I don't want to make it seem like I was like big time playing for Alabama. I was about to get drafted in the NFL. That was not the case. Is right.
0: Alabama good?
1: Oh,
0: roll yeah. tide. Roll tide. Oh, roll tide. Yeah, you're right. I forgot.
2: Yeah.
1: I Listen, I I just hate the saying. So I would be more of like a war eagle kind of person.
0: <laughs> roll tide. What does that mean?
2: It's just there. I
1: don't know. Literally it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> No, they don't have much of a beach. Anyways. Listen, I, I live in I live in Tucson. their Their slogan is "Bear Down," but they're literally Wildcats. Doesn't make any sense to me. That so. doesn't make
2: any sense. I did not know yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I'm like, doesn't make any sense to me.
0: So, you know, sports not my jam not a no. speaking in church sponsored thing no listen uh, <laughs>
1: we went to a school that their slogan was god first so everybody understood that one
0: <laughs> and the zoo was that a azusa pacific yeah <laughs> <God. Stop. laughs> where did yeah. you go to school <laughs> yeah
2: you ordered us oh, oh uh, <laughs> i went to northwestern college in iowa
0: Oh, northwestern yeah, that's such I, I a bait and even, switch
2: i can't even think of like famous people who would have come out of northwestern i don't is
0: it northwestern like a really bougie school
2: when it's a university there's the northwestern in chicago and we have nothing to do with them yeah i feel like your They're, school is cheating yeah we're we're just called but we're northwestern college there's i know why we're not university of northwestern. but you're gonna get a few dummies because of that no, oh, actually, on the football team, <laughs> occasionally we would you know get to fall camp, and occasionally I think this happened like once uh, when I was playing, but occasionally Wait. they'll have people who show up to camp thinking that they signed with the Big Ten big Northwestern in Chicago, and they show up to Iowa and they're like, "Wait, this is not the same team. Oh, I love. It. They enrolled at the wrong school. which us. is such a like a football player thing to do like.
1: mm-hmm. And this is Northwest like like Nazarene.
2: Oh, in, mine! In, yeah, yes, like, in Nazarene, in in,
1: in in Nampa, Idaho.
2: Oh, uh, there's that north. It's like northwest. No, okay. I. This is a. I went to a different college, but I, I know of that school. Okay.
1: I'm like, I'm like, there's two in Idaho. Cause I had, I had a friend that went to, I had a friend that went to that school and one of my f- favorite professors left APO to teach left APU to teach there and I cried about it. So you know it's fine. Yeah.
2: Oh, no, I went geez. to I, I went to school in Iowa, not Idaho.
1: Oh wow, I'm really dumb. Sorry. I'm from
0: California. They're the same to me. <laughs>
1: They're,
0: they're so <laughs> I'm just <kidding>. <laughs> I did my fifth grade state report on Iowa, so I do know what Iowa is. They like a lot of corn there. I do know yeah, that. Yeah, I was surrounded by cornfields and pigs. That sounds like my worst wow. fucking nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> just like Minneapolis, that shit sounds cold. How cold is it right now in Minneapolis?
2: Oh. Um, i don't know i wonder i don't even have my i should have my weather app up right now i uh it's probably you sure? it, was like, it was like 40 <laughs> degrees today I think. absolutely not Mm-mm. nope
0: no ma'am it was 70 today <laughs> here and i was too cold it was way too cold
1: currently 64 in tucson so
0: <laughs> oh my gosh well as we end up this podcast i don't usually allow people to do this but i'm gonna allow you mason because i'm interested to see if oh, you even have an answer special um do you have any questions for us mason um
2: what is your favorite way to drink an orange? I don't know. I was just trying to do it. I was Orange I was juice. Like, I feel like I was drink like, madly medium pulp in live. Medium pulp. Ew,
1: ew, oh, God. No.
0: No pulp for Spencer.
1: Yeah. Donald Duck brand, no pulp. Ooh. Donald
2: Duck brand. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a minute made, but...
1: What? No, it's Donald Duck brand. What oh, about? I don't
2: know. He makes his own shit, Josie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm oh, bad, okay. Like, good grief.
1: It's like my mom
0: bought it when we were kids. Love that shit. No pulp. <laughs> Is that your final answer? Your final question?
2: Yeah. I Was I supposed to have a more ornate <laughs> I
0: thought you'd have a cooler answer. <laughs> cooler question, yeah. I thought you would.
2: I, I, I'm... I don't have any more questions. I've I've got all the answers. Oh okay.
1: Who's your Okay fine Who's your least uh, This is speed round Who's your least favorite Mega church pastor Go
2: Ooh. Oh I I mean without a doubt Mark Driscoll sucks Fuck <laughs> the guy Easy answer That's the an easy answer <laughs> It is easy But god he sucks Also that Steve Furquick guy That guy who looks Steven like Steven Furtick Furtick uh, Whatever his name is Elevation
1: Seekers mm-hmm.
2: I just saw a video Of him today Him talking about Uh Um What's that first Lil Nas song that went big, the the cowboy one? Oh, um, Old Town Road. Yeah, Old mm-hmm. Town Road. He was talking about that song and how it didn't fit in any category. It wasn't country enough and it wasn't hip-hop enough. And he was like, that's why Jesus died. And I was like, where? Th- what? Th- what? That guy so sucks. So, Judah Smith
0: 2.0 over here, the newest yeah, version. He, yeah, he he sucks. Oh, uh, I,
1: oh. my answer, yeah judah what? smith i have a, I do glasses. have a question
2: i have a better question okay great we're ready what was your most embarrassing artist on your top five spotify <gasps> i didn't do it i'm gonna do it what right is, now no Hold
1: are we doing artist or song
2: uh let's go both one one of each ooh, ooh, Mine, ooh.
1: mine's really embarrassing i'm not even gonna lie y'all let me pull it up here my uh, top
2: songs
1: i'm gonna oh. tell you my, I'm embarrassed. My my most embarrassing song was a, a CCM song, Contemporary Christian Music. <laughs> uh, the song Famous For by uh, Torrin Wells. Yeah, that was on there. I don't
2: know who that person is.
1: Well, he, he's on K-Love all the time. So <laughs> That's like the one CCM song that got me in a chokehold this year and it ended up on my top five because it's also on my youth group playlist for my kids. Oh, so that embarrassing. is oh gosh
0: it embarrassing. Oh. It, it's a video apparently <laughs> i'm i'm pulling it up right now okay so what you why is it a video i just want a picture i don't know what an and nft you,
2: is you gotta tap through it yeah you, um, gotta, you gotta experience it Joseph.
0: well for me it's always the Beatles, but that's not embarrassing only i guess it would be embarrassing not because- at
2: all Wait, So you know for a fact that they're your top artist, right now?
0: I know for a fact. Well, my top song is "Come and Get Your Love" by Redbone. Come and get your love. Come and get your. I'm uh, an old woman.
2: Most en- feels like it should
0: be
1: embarrassing. most embarrassing artist. Honestly, I'm not embarrassed by any of those. Any of these. I think like within the deconstruction community, "Need to Breathe" was my number five. But I they listen seem to like my,
2: genuinely good dudes.
1: Uh, honestly, like especially now, their new stuff is very just more like like sexual like not sexual secular and like um uh yeah you know it kind of emo so they're my number five the rest are (laughs) like
0: yeah my top artist is the Beatles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) josie's ashamed to be my friend because my number one artist is taylor swift i'm I have
0: a lot of opinions about Taylor Swift.
1: My number two artist is Lady Gaga. Does that make it better?
0: <laughs> yeah. Lady Gaga. I just watched that the Gucci like movie. Each other out. I just yes. watched the Gucci movie. And it- okay. My top artist, I guess my embarrassing one would be probably Billy Joel. Oh, okay. but I love Billy Joel. My top five are the Beatles, the Lumineers, 1975, Billy Joel, and Fleetwood Mac. I'm more
1: embarrassed like 1975. about 1975. Yeah. I'm like, that's is that embarrassing?
0: embarrassing? That's more embarrassing. Yes. I listen to two songs of theirs. It's If I Believe You, because it's semi-spiritual, I guess. It's when I want to cry, I listen to that song. And it's um, Somebody New or something like that. I mean, I'm more I embarrassed think- by the Lumineers, I'm going to be honest.
1: I think their best yes, song yes. is the 1975's best song is girls from like their first album
0: so whatever what about she's american i love that song it's so funny it's like she has a custom-made gun because she's american it's like you don't (laughs) like guns (laughs) i don't but it's funny
1: mason what are your embarrassing come on Um, what's
2: yours i don't know well i don't know if there's like any one embarrassing artist but like every, almost every single one of my artists were tooth and nail pans uh which is on par for me it's pretty on brand so so that's your top genre uh well not really a genre but yeah it's like <sighs> the same like kind of world of music uh w- the one that's like snuck in that i just didn't realize was a is a band called may m-a-e I, oh I yeah i used to listen to them a lot yeah i was really surprised that they were up that high i mean i i knew that i listened to them more this year than i have in pre- previous years but i'm just like a little shocked that they were i think they were number four or something i just would have never guessed that i think like most of my artists i'm like yeah i could probably guess who's my top five but that was the one that snuck in there It was a total surprise
1: um i feel like they haven't even had an album in like 10 years
2: no they had an album like 2017 but yeah they haven't released a lot in a while but i don't know it was very odd I have become good friends with one of their guitarists and so I don't know if that maybe had something to do with it maybe Excuse that messed me. with my algorithm or something um, and funny enough like he's in another band that probably has my favorite album of the year so I don't know maybe the algorithm messed everything up because of that but I don't know I, I was just surprised that May was in there and then every single one of my top five songs were all from the same artist. Oh so. well my
0: uh, most embarrassing top song that other people would like me to be embarrassed by because I'm not embarrassed about this but it's In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel? I should know that. I'm pretty sure it is. But it's a 10 minute version.
2: Oh. That's a lengthy song.
0: And I listen to all 10 minutes every single time.
1: I mean I listen to the 10 minute Taylor Swift so you know. Okay well not- that's really embarrassing Spencer. <laughs> no, it's
0: not. She yeah. re-released her...
1: Yeah, and she make money on it. Yeah, and she uh, she one of the songs on the original album. She wrote it ten minutes, and the record company was like, nobody will listen to that. So now she released the 10 minute version and it was the number one stream song like the next day. So records companies don't know shit, you know? They clearly
0: don't. (laughs) Well, (laughs) listen, Spencer, all I'm going to say is that Kanye and I aren't getting along right now, but team Kanye.
1: No, why would you ever (laughs) be team Kanye for anything?
0: (laughs) All right. We're getting way off track, but I like that question, Mason. That was a great question. Great ending.
2: Yeah, You might want to edit the orange juice one out
0: no i like that one too i'm very particular about my citrus
2: i i don't like <laughs> i think the reason why i thought of it was i watched this video of like a really interesting video of making carnitas and i saw him like
0: mm, yeah
2: you so gotta I put, put orange
0: juice in the carnitas yep mm-hmm. yeah.
2: so anyway that's why i think it popped up in my mind i was like oh i remember that video about orange juice and for whatever reason that's where i went with it
0: next year at wild goose we're making carnitas
2: oh yes you yeah. and, and Ryan and... Ma. Oh, yeah. Love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's
0: oh, and Spencer's a great chef. So she has to come oh, next year, too. Spencer. Yeah. All
1: right. Let's but do it. I... Josie, we already talked about this. I don't want to take my baby to the deep south. Um, Your <laughs> baby has a dad. Yeah, but Actually, still...
2: we just got an email today. It's probably not going to be in the deep south. I know. Uh, let's try to move guys. it to California. I saw that. Oh,
1: yeah. okay, cool. Because that honestly, like, was my... Like, after it all happened and, like, seeing some of the stuff that was seen, I was like i just don't want to go
0: there (laughs) yeah it was pretty fun though but anyways friends welcome to a little insight of what happens at our irreverent media group meetings and friendships it's a wild ride and we're glad you're on it uh cool mason plug your stuff you have multiple situations to plug
2: Oh yes. Too many. Uh, you can find me at masonmeniga.com. And from there I've got all my links to social media stuff. If you want to follow me on social media, I am also on YouTube. I haven't made a video in a little while, but I will be starting that back up in the new year. And so I'm excited about that. And, uh, yeah, give me a follow. Uh, I love the chat and uh, connect on social media. Plug your other podcast. Oh, yeah. So uh, other than a people's theology, I also have a podcast called The Black Sheep Podcast, and I interview mainly uh, alternative and heavy music type of musicians um, about their new music and all those different things. So, um, yeah, we've interviewed bands like May, like I just mentioned, and lots of other bands in the kind of like alternative music world.
0: If I record an alternative heavy metal screamo song, will I be able to come on the podcast? Um, Maybe. Mm, that's a no everybody all right whatever it's
1: like if you haven't already i would i would definitely love to hear a podcast episode about the uh the christian like screamo heavy metal like overlap
2: yeah like the history of it
1: yeah well yeah just how like i just remember being like in high school and like my brother was super into that so i was into it and a lot of kids that were like i hate jesus were still listening to these christian bands and i was like do y'all not see the correlation here so
2: yeah it was weird like that whole scene ended up for whatever reason becoming like influential to the mainstream scene of all yeah it, it, it's a very interesting <laughs> type of yeah
0: they were under feelings more people like feelings
2: yeah it was a whole thing Guess yeah so <laughs> a very interesting time
0: yeah well well spencer where can the people find us <laughs>
1: They can find us on Instagram at speaking in church. They can find Josie at Josie takes the world and they can find me at Spence Rose.
0: Thank you everybody for listening to our chaotic episode. Like we said, when our friends come around, all bets are off. It's a fun (laughs) time. All right. Well stay woke or get woke. Jesus loves you. Bye.